Welcome back to Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion and technology with the personalities that shape it. My guest this week is Josh Warner. Josh is the founder and designer behind the cult jewelry company Good Art. Josh and I talk about how he went from selling earrings out of a suitcase in Venice Beach to building his own foundry and making pieces for Sly Stallone, Morsi, and LeBron James. It's a new Blamo. We're doing it. Let's go. It's, I'm so happy I could get you with yeah with your own mic check. Toast Toast is my mic check because it's uh it's, it's from your nickname now. It's from it's from Mission Impossible, the very first movie when Tom Cruise is uh <laughs> when, when he's when he's in the thing and he looks down at his microphone he goes toast toast and you see the <laughs> you see the thing go up toast 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 he gets upset doesn't he when wasn't there a moment there yeah gets, when jean renault uh yes is he has losing he's got sweat on his head so is this thing on are we live can, we are now live can america hear us america can hear us okay great josh warner you are on blamo thank you so much i'm really happy to be here so i met you i don't know a few weeks ago but i'd heard about you earlier than that and you know we're going to get into the fact that you are one of the most in the best possible way insane jewelers that i've ever met um and a creative genius and the stuff that you make i'll I'll put it this way i think jewelry kind of sucks and then i met you and now i'm obsessed with it and it's not and and i realize go back to the first part of that question there was a question somewhere in there that started out with a big build-up i think there was genius best way oh yeah we're gonna get there we're gonna get there but all right all right back to jewelry sucks yeah no i i saw it and like i lost my mind and the the thing is and then then i got to meet you and i think i i just fell in love with all, all of your stuff so we're going to go to the beginning. We're going to go through the middle. We'll, we'll get to the end. Um, but how on earth did you get started making jewelry? Okay. It's, it, first of all, awesome. Thank you. Um, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it, a compliment? <laughs> well, it, 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 I, think, uh, I think we could be approaching a time where maybe some new words are needed to describe this stuff i agree uh because i often don't think of what i do as jewelry yeah but uh but it is clearly it's a you know that uh, that piece is a ring that piece of bracelet it's jewelry but what happens when um the thing transforms into something else or i think that there, there was like a paradigm shift when i started making jewelry for me that i never thought of myself as uh, a guy who made jewelry I just like making things so the company's called good art and I kind of think of what we do as, I suppose, a, a photographer thinks of a great photo or a painter thinks of a, a, a painting. Um, I didn't call it great art because it's maybe just too arrogant. But, <laughs> but, but I called it good art because somebody asked me at the time years ago uh, to describe my art and what I was doing. And at the time, I was actually painting. And oh, they said, well, what sort of paintings? And I you know, a typical rebellious young uh, artsy type. I, I said, well, you can't put me in a box. <laughs> so, right. So I said, it's good. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, go look at it for yourself. And, you know, I think it's good. And if you think it's good, then it's good. And, and it really stemmed from like a, a, a friend wanting to make me a business card to help me 
do business as an artist and said, uh, well, what do you want on the card? And I said, just put good art in my name and my phone number. And they, that, they said that was ridiculous. And, <laughs> and then when I made my very first sale to a store, I, they said, do you have a business card? I said, oh yeah, I do. This is great. Here's a business card. It said good art on there. And then I had a check made out to the good art company. So, so you, so it wasn't like some Algonquin round table to figure out your name. It was, it was, uh, at best serendipitous and, <laughs> and at worst a complete accident. And, but, but the thing is that it, it stuck with me because, uh, I, I, I actually don't fit into a lot of boxes. One, cause I eat a lot and I'm kind of big, but also just my viewpoints, they spill out of a lot of, uh, boxes that I might fit into otherwise. So with regard to art, art for me is more about communication. It's more about a message and it doesn't have to be a painting. Uh, it certainly doesn't have to be anything at all. You know, I've seen, you know, motorcycles that you look at it and you say, holy shit, that's art. Yeah. So, uh, in the beginning and where I started was with making art that my medium is metal and, and, uh, we do some leather stuff and it's mostly metal. It's uh, mostly gold and silver. Um, it's still art. Right. And, but you didn't, from, from what I heard, and you can correct me on this, did you get your start or at the beginning, like you were selling your jewelry on Venice Beach? Uh, it's actually, it's better than that. Am I allowed to say tit? You can say whatever you want. Okay, so uh, <laughs> it, was, it was actually tit rings on Venice Beach. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my actual start, I'll, I'll go back because so, I'm sure none of this is, is very cohesive right now. And Oh, no, it's good. Don't worry. Well, all I can say is thank God for Pro Tools and editing features because you have to <laughs> chop this shit up. So here's where it started. I, I'm, uh, I'm a struggling artist. I'm painting. I'm not struggling. I'm, I'm living in Venice Beach in, in a 300-square-foot apartment. And it's not struggling. It's what you do when you're young and you just don't want to get a corporate job. Right. And I'm having a hard time making a living. Uh, what year is this? This would be 1989. Okay. And I think that, I think what, what happened was, so, so there are jobs and there are careers. And some people early on know what they want to do. And they head for that. And uh, some people sort of fall into something that they should do and they head for that. For me, I, I, uh, I knew I wanted to create, mm -hmm. but it was somewhat at odds with paying my rent. And uh, so I got a job. It's just a job. I made sandwiches. It was fine. Uh, Were you I, a sandwich artist? I, I, well, see, I think I was actually pretty good at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think I was all right. I, I cooked a, a, I needed a job. I went into, I put my... <laughs> This is such a funny story. And every time I tell it, actually, I never get bored of this. It's funny. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I, needed, I needed work. I went down to the promenade, Third Street Promenade back then. It was kind of a shithole. And uh, I went into this food court, and I think I spent my last eight bucks on a sandwich. Mm -hmm. And I'm eating it, and it's the end of lunch hour. Things are quieting down. And I hear the owner of the shop complaining about a delivery guy or whatever. And I said, hey, you need a delivery guy? And he said, yeah. I said, great. I can... I can deliver sandwiches. So he hired me on the spot. I showed up the next day in shorts with a backpack and roller skates on my feet. <laughs> okay. And let's just be clear, roller skates. 
This was not any sort of inline shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed at me and then got upset at me and then said, we'll take this delivery and here's where you're going with that. So I delivered on roller skates all over the area. I would skate into office buildings, pass the guards, get yelled at, go up in the elevators. And the spectacle of me carrying two bags and roller skating through Santa Monica, uh, it got me great tips. So I was making enough money to pay my rent. Part of the deal was I'd get a sandwich. Little time goes by, wanted some earrings. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd seen like body piercing was sort of like it was, it was underground, but it was sort of moving towards the like where, where squares like me could see it. Okay. And I thought those earrings are cool. I want those. I tracked down a place called The Gauntlet went into the gauntlets and I want these earrings. Uh, didn't have the best experience. I wasn't clued in enough. I wasn't kind of cool enough to get in the, in the door, I think. So uh, I didn't understand uh, that you needed a huge hole in your ear. I left there not stoked. And on my way back, I remember thinking, there's a place here that sells jewelry making supplies along the way. Uh, old hardware store that had like a little jewelry making supply corner in the back and I stopped in I bought some wire bought some beads went home with my crude tools fashioned some earrings crammed them through my tiny little holes in my ears it was bleeding red I made another little piece put it on a chain oh my god went into went into the sandwich shop the next day and I started getting comments now probably most of the people were teasing me in the beginning because my ears were the color of beets and, <laughs> and I looked a fucking mess but I didn't care I was enjoying my new earrings and I just made these things so fuck off <laughs> <laughs> but what ended up happening was after everything healed and weeks go by, I'm getting comments everywhere I go. Those are cool. Where'd you get those? And I was like, I just fucking made them. Simple. At one point, I thought, this is something. People keep asking about this. So I made up a bunch, took them into a store on the promenade, walked in, showed them to a lady there. She said, these are cool. I'll buy them all. That was the business card thing. I handed her the business card, comes back, check. I went down, I quit my job. And that was how I started making jewelry. But the jewelry I was making was, it was literally like, you know, it was body piercing jewelry in, right. back in the day. And it, obviously you've evolved quite a bit, you know, <laughs> from, from making, from making body, piercing, body piercing jewelry to obscenely beautiful, you know, one piece chain link jewelry with your rosette. I mean, wh where did, so, I mean, we're going to, we're going to get a little bit into the evolution of good art, but. You know, obviously, so when you start this company, w when do you decide to, okay, maybe I'm not going to do body piercing, body piercing stuff. Maybe I'm going to do other things. Okay. So for me, the, the thrill of what I was doing was making things. It was, it was creating stuff. Mm -hmm. That was, that was always the thrill. The thrill was not, um, it, it wasn't the actual body piercing that just happened to be what brought me to it. Right. So before long there were, we had a, a pretty good sized company going. We had uh, a lot of people, machines, Swiss screw machines. We had a machine shop. I mean, it was cool. We were turning out all kinds of rad stuff. But I, uh, I think, um, I think I saw the end of that sort of era mm -hmm. when a dude walked in from Asia. I'm not exactly sure where, uh, one of the Asian countries Right. With a suitcase and opened it up and said, here you go, anything in here is a buck. And I was like, shit, well, those, the, something similar to that costs us about four bucks to make. So there's the, there's the beginning of the end. So I guess what, what happened was the, the big sea change from uh, body jewelry into the stuff I do now. It was, it was partly because I could see an end 
to what we were doing, but it was also that it, around that time, there was not a whole lot of create in it. There were only so many ways I could stick a piece of metal through a hole in the body. And, and the, the piercing scene wasn't my thing. It was making the stuff. Right. The piercing scene was cool because of the, the people in it, but the actual piercing wasn't my thing. Um, so when I started exploring other stuff, there was, a, there was a bit of a transition from one business into the other. And, uh, and I felt like immediately I, I jumped into, I jumped in from like a, a tiny little plastic swimming pool in the yard into the ocean. And now sky's the limit. I can do whatever I want. So I, I, I when I made the transition from the body jewelry into what I'm doing right now, the world really opened up for me. Right. And so you have a foundry in LA because it's like, so first off, I think when people think of designers, metal workers, uh, for lack of a better term earlier, jewelry designers, they're, they think, I, I would guess they don't really think of vertical integration, right? They wouldn't really think of that you have a foundry on site, which means like you are casting these things and you are hammering and you are designing. Like how, like, how do you scale something like that? Like when, when did like, oh, I should get a foundry. Well, you know what, you know what it is? It's more, uh, it has more to do with the product than you might imagine. For instance, uh, most people I think who make jewelry, they probably get an idea or they see something that inspires them. And then they go to somebody who can make them a master, somebody who can make them a mold, take that to a foundry, they cast it, give it mm -hmm. to somebody who can polish it. They give it back and then they say, well, look, we just, I just designed this piece of jewelry. And all that's cool. But let's say when you get it back, it's not the actual piece you had in your mind. Well, where, where, where did that start? Let's see, it probably started with the, uh, the guy who made the master, you know, the guy who carved it or formed it or bent it or hammered it or whatever. Uh, what if when you get the piece back, the stones are set poorly? Well, that's probably on, a, you know, it's on you for picking a shitty stone setter. How about the metal, if it's got a lot of porosity or holes and it's poor quality, or the assembly or the finishing or a whole litany? There, there are eight sort of major processes within the jewelry making go from mastering and mold making uh, to wax work, casting, cleaning, assembly, polishing and finishing, stone setting. So it's a very limited number of things. It's just these, these few, less than a dozen major disciplines that are mostly what we do. There's about eight that, that we use. We don't do much in the way of engraving. So um, at any one point, if you are an artist, uh, or a designer, or whatever. I, I, sorry, that, that term artist, not so good at that one. <laughs> at any point, if you're like the dude who's responsible, you have to look at the finished piece and say, did I actually get there? Did I arrive at my original intention? And if you did, great. And if you can do that with other people's hands in your, in your pie, then go ahead and do it. But if you're not quite getting there, you have to analyze why. You have to look at it and say, well, where is the breakdown? And is anybody going to care about this as much as I do? And that's actually what led me to building a foundry. And this wasn't overnight. This was over many years. Yeah, of course. But it, it really, the, the intention was, it had nothing to do with saving money or, I'm not sure what other things people could imagine about it. So it doesn't matter. Let me just tell you what the intention was. The pure intention <laughs> was, I want my vision for everything 
to come to complete fruition at the end. I want what I want. I want what I pictured in my mind and what I sketched out and what I envisioned. Yeah, and you want control over your manufacturing and process. And, yeah. yeah, and, and ultimate, res- ultimate responsibility. So if the thing breaks, the, you know, the buck stops here. So what we've built is, uh, is a foundry where it's a, it's a factory. This is in L.A.? Yeah, it's in L.A. It's, uh, it's Pico Union area. It's a little bit west of downtown. Which people can visit, which is pretty shocking too, right? I mean, no. you, you you've done foundry tours. We we shut the doors. Oh, okay, no mind. <laughs> no, you 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 may visit, and 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 yeah, people can visit. There's a storefront being built right in the front, which will be um, relatively open to the public. Uh, and the stuff that goes on in the back is we're I'm that's a whole other story. Yeah, I used to I, I used yeah. to, I used to show anybody because I had this idea that you know the the only secrets to what I'm doing are Let's see, you better be clever and don't be a dick. <laughs> so, and, and you got to be willing to work hard. The, the truth is there are probably some proprietary things that maybe I shouldn't be so free with, but those were never my concerns. I always felt like the, the things that were holding uh, would-be competitors back were things like, uh, you know, uh, greed or stupidity or, look, everybody has a voice mm-hmm. and, and most people think that what they say is important. Let's face it, it's just not true. There are some people who should be out there communicating on a big scale. I walk into a museum and I, and I see stuff and I'm, I'm blown away. I can't go. I can't take the whole museum tour on any given day because I'm so in awe of the first 10 feet of, of beautiful stuff. I go to a city with great architecture and I'm, I'm gobsmacked. There's just certain people who create things that, that better all of us. And so I think it's the responsibility of anybody who wants to create to make good things, to try and create a good effect or at least a big effect. Right. Um, in, terms of, in terms of your jewelry, I mean, you have stuff that, as you were explaining to me, was I was shocked at just the engineering of it. N- not even just the design, but the, the fact on, you know, like, example, like your chain wallet and how it, basically you keep the chain from getting tangled to the bracelets you've made for the Rolex on your wrist and, and your, your like chip clip type, you know, necklace thing that you were showing. Can I ask like, how do you learn how to design that? Because I mean, if you're delivering sandwiches and you're tinkering around with, (laughs) I mean, was there some type of industrial design training you had or? I, I think it's, I, I think, uh, whatever, However adept I am at any of those things, I think it just comes from uh, truly from a love of those kinds of things. Right. You know, when I was young, my, I used to go to the Rose Bowl with my dad all the time. The Rose Bowl is the... the Rose Bowl is the swap meet. It's like... It's, it's, it's the, like the ultimate like, yeah. vintage and, and, and trade show for vintage dudes. And, yep. Yeah. Well, a long time ago, I think it was, it was even, even more that. Like, uh, you could buy all sorts of antique machines and slot machines. And my dad used to collect these slot machines. Okay. He'd go with his friend, a guy named Burton, Burton, Burton. <laughs> <laughs> Triple B. What's up, man? Amazing guy. <laughs> he started a company called Casablanca Fan Company. This guy was cool. So, Casablanca Fan? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So my dad and Burton, they would go, they'd buy these, these old slot machines. And they were usually somewhat derelict, and they would rip them apart and put them back together. And I was always fascinated that these things worked so beautifully without being plugged into the wall. See, I grew up on video games. Yeah. Uh, 
I love Robotron. <laughs> Where's the plug? Right. Why are the wheels spinning? And, and my dad would show me these cogs and springs and, and gears and levers. And I thought, that is cool. And I think that uh, my affinity for clever mechanics is, is really from that time, sort of, uh, you know, being a kid and the wonder of it. It's Legos, man. It's simple stuff. I haven't, um, I mean, I haven't made a piece of jewelry that can take flight just yet. And I'm not, I'm not even going for that. What I'm going for is so much more <laughs> pure and simple. I want a, a mechanism that works. So here's a funny thing. You look at a lot of bracelets these days and there's a, there's a piece on there called a safety. There's like a little clasp that sort of, uh, is an extra clasp. You have the clasp that closes the bracelet and mm-hmm. then you've got like a little chain that connects it, or you've got another swinging pivot arm on the side. Okay. Those are called safeties. Well, what's the purpose of a safety? Oh, if the clasp fails, then the safety catches it and you don't drop your bracelet or whatever it is. I always thought, why did these guys just spend a little more time making a clasp that doesn't fail? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need the safety. I, that's a logical question. Okay, so, <laughs> so I think, I think uh, it, one, this, this is, this is, sorry, it's, it's early morning. I'm giving you really long answers. No, no, no. This is, this is fantastic. Okay, I'm not so even here's kidding. A, here's a two-parter. The answer is one, uh, I, my love of these old mechanics and, and, uh, uh, or mechanical devices and devices. Uh, God, Jasper Johns, great painter. He had, he had a, a painting with, uh, an arm that was nailed to the canvas and these streaks, sort of circular streaks were swished into this encaustic like oil and, and wax painting and the painting was called device and I, this was one of my museum experiences where i, I saw something that was incredible and i said okay i'll see you guys outside i spent a half an hour in a museum and i was done i was i was in awe and overwhelmed and that was it and couldn't take anymore i could well what was the point you, you <laughs> that, like there's 50 chocolate cakes on the table Eat as much as you want. You're not getting through 50. You get through a couple of pieces and you're like, that's good. I'll be back another time. <laughs> so that, that was the way I experienced it. And, I, and, and this interesting painting called Device by Jasper Johns was one of those, it was one of those things that inspired me. And I thought, there, there really doesn't need to be uh, uh, a separation between the interactivity of a piece of art and the piece of art itself. They, they are all part of the actual communication. So when I started working in metal, I liked things that you touched, that you felt uh, a clasp that closed positively or something that swings. There are a lot of pieces that I make that you see the utility immediately, but then you use it. And I, I think you grow to love the utility. And then there are, are some pieces where just for fun, there's some almost unnecessary utilities, uh, a, a pivot or a swing. It's a hard thing to explain on the radio. <laughs> no, no, this is okay. I mean, I but think I, I love this. I love that kind of stuff. I love, I love the utility. So, so I'll just tell you that the, the second part of the, the whole answer to, to the mechanics of, of my stuff is I like, I like stuff that works well and I like to interact with the things too. Like it. it yeah. I mean, and be part a part of the, of the journey and, and the process of, yeah. of making and creating. And that's interesting because you had talked a little bit about, um, tinkering around with slot machines and things like that. Did you, you know, when, when you're kind of like bonding with your dad or hanging out with him, were you guys like taking these things apart together or were you just kind of like eavesdropping amongst his friends? Or? We, had a, we had a workbench uh-huh. that my dad built. I think my dad and my grandpa built it. It was in the garage. It was full of tools. It was, it was that time in 
America, <laughs> where if you had a garage, there was a workbench and some, you know, craftsman tools craftsman. on the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I distinctly remember sitting on the workbench while these machines are coming apart and grabbing things that I probably shouldn't be grabbing and mixing up piles of springs. And, and I was just being a kid. So I was, I was part of the process, but I was probably, you know, I was, I wasn't helpful. I was just I- intrigued. I liked blocks and Legos and building things and, you know, I, I liked fixing things, whether I was actually fixing them or not. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done that stuff too. I used to, um, well, basically, I I was your story, but I broke everything, so <laughs> I would just take it apart and not know how to put it back together. This is where this was the CD-ROM drive and my parents' computer. Well, actually, I you should, probably just I, have a better memory than me. See, I'm pretty sure I probably broke a lot. I was too. gonna say, like, I remember I took apart VCR. I remember I was trying to take apart a TV, which was a CRT, and luckily. My family caught me because if you touch a CRT, like a cathode ray tube, you could kill yourself. Uh, <laughs> things like that. Why, why, is that. why does that kill you? Uh, I think the, the, elect, the, like the energy and the electricity that's within the, the, the actual vacuum tube of the CRT oh, has shit. so much in there that it'll give you like a massive shock. And if you're you know, a stupid little fat kid like I was, you're, it's going to knock you out. Um, I don't know if it would actually stop your heart permanently, but it would be enough to, to, to knock you out. Um, I remember that because when I worked at Apple, you had to take all these additional tests if you were going to take apart, um, or mess with any like old school, like CRT monitor. Right. Anyway, um, I digress. One of the other things that you were, uh, that you, you know, so you are making jewelry, you're making unbelievable like i mean right now i just i have lost my train of thought by looking at your shoe and i realize you have a shoe lace link i mean god I, it's so freaking cool <laughs> so so your work caught the attention of some other people and i know you've told this story a lot but i think it's also important for for listeners and, and these people to hear that um cuz you've made some amazing stuff and i think you can correct me if i'm wrong one of your first big big like fanboys was Sly Stallone? No? Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. How, Sly Sly is awesome. How, how did how did that happen? Uh a guy I know from New York was somehow with Sly's wife. Okay. And this guy uh this guy's cool. His name's Dougie T. He's a sweetheart. Shout out Dougie. Shout out to Dougie. He used to own Barney's. Oh, okay. This is this is a big deal, guy. It's yeah. It, this is actually a really funny little sidebar. So I, uh, my jewelry's in Barney's, and um, actually, I'm going to back up twice. Go I'm gonna for go, it. I'm going to do two thirty second previous backups. Okay. Uh, I'm with some friends. We're in New York. We're hanging out. Bunch of uh, we're 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 just having a great time, drinking, partying. The people I'm with are. Uh, they're somewhat famous. So okay. there's photographers around. Me, I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm just... I'm, I'm yeah, just sure, whatever. Guy. So uh, there's, a, there's a, a, a moment where a bunch of paparazzi are taking photos and there's me and on the left of me are two people and on the right of me are two people. And the other, the other four are all quite famous and, and I'm in the middle and we're all laughing and giggling and having a great time. Uh, and then... Somebody who works at Barney's, this really cool chick named Sonia. Sonia comes over to um, one of the guys who she knows because he, he shops. His name's Eric Balfour. 
mm-hmm. and uh, Eric's an awesome actor. Eric's an awesome person. He's he's the best. So Eric, <laughs> Sonia says, "Hey, I know who everybody is in that photo there, but or in that lineup there, but who's that dude in the middle?" And Eric looks at her and says, "Are you crazy? You work at Barney's. What's the matter with you? <laughs> you, you don't know who that cat is." That's our jeweler. That's the guy who makes all our jewelry. That's Josh Warner. His company's called Good Art. You don't know who that is? And it was funny because Eric's very playful. And so I think what, what he did was not just like... Uh, Hype man. Yeah, it was not just maybe a little calculated, but it was incredibly playful just to sort of say, what's the matter with you, lady? Come on. Yeah. And Sonia tracked me down, and then we eventually like put the stuff in Barney's, and that was great. So um, that, that's going back quite a few years. Um, stuff's in Barney's. Barney's, you know, great. Who doesn't love Barney's? Right. Okay, so a uh, year or so after I'm in Barney's, everything's cooking. I get a phone call. Is Josh? Yeah. Hi, my name's Dougie T. I own Barney's. And I, I, this, is, this is a few years back, so I'm, I, I guess I just, in my uh, simple, naive way, my heart sunk for a second. I thought, oh, shit, the principal's calling me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? Right. And, uh, and I said, well, what's happening? <laughs> he says, listen, I don't wear jewelry. I never wore jewelry my whole life. But for the last, like, four months, my wife's been bringing me stuff. And I'm wearing your jewelry, and I'm sitting here right now, and I had to get your phone number and call you because I am dripping in your jewelry. I got rings, and I got Zippo lighters, and I got necklaces and bracelets. I love this shit. (laughs) I was so happy. Oh, that's good. Anyway, that turned into a friendship. Now, a couple years later, he's with Sly's wife. She sees him wearing this jewelry. Oh, Sly would love this. One thing led to another. She calls me. I happened to be in Canada at the time. I was doing a trunk show up in Calgary. She says, I'm looking for this big, big gold bracelet for Sly. It'd be good. And I don't know what it was. I just said, you know what? I got something with me. I think it's probably good. Had you done gold before? Oh, yeah. I was, I I have always done, um, I've always worked with. uh, Precious metals. uh, 22 karat gold. Just, it always excited me. It was great. It's the same as a Cougaran. Cougarans are 22 karat. It's a real high carat. It's really strong. It's got a great orangey color mm-hmm. um I, I i love high carat gold a lot of people don't get this gold is pure gold is 24 carat so you got something that's 12 carat you've got half gold half something that's just not gold 14 carats slightly better than half gold and uh when you start moving up uh 18 carat is about 75 well exactly 75 percent pure gold mm-hmm. um 24 karat doesn't work great for the kind of stuff I do because it's a little soft. It bends, cracks. Yeah. Um, 22 is a great, great, nice, nice, happy carat. median. Yeah. It's of quality and also yeah. the ability to make and manufacture your, your, your art. It fits right in that slot. Yeah. Always worked with the gold. She said, Sly likes gold. I said, great. I got something. I don't know. Uh, it was just a, the, the way it panned out. I didn't think I was in any kind of trouble here. So sure. I'll send a, a really expensive, basically like tantamount to a BMW 3 Series. Okay. <laughs> I put a bracelet in FedEx and sent it down and it arrived in time. And uh, she gave it to him for his birthday. And that was great. Uh, I went up to the house, picked up a check a week later. And I didn't hear anything. I just thought, well, that was cool. Cool. Got, I got a cool guy that, that, that bought my stuff. Yeah. Never going to hear from him again. It was cool. And then, uh, of course, like a few months go by and, he reaches out and he's like, I love this thing. This thing's great. I need something else. And he 
We'd see some skulls. Anyway, we started working together. Basically, he he liked a lot of what I did, and then there there came a couple of things where he wanted something custom, and I think that was probably uh, it, it's cool when people that you dig or admire admire what you do. It's like a, a beautiful sort of reciprocal uh, love admiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's Rocky, man. <laughs> Rocky. Yeah, I was gonna shit. say. I mean, it's you're cool. in the you're in the presence of of greatness there. Yeah, it's beautiful. But then the so that that was enough. That was that was a price of admission right there. But then where where it really got great was um, I was around and bringing him stuff. And he was buying stuff around the time he was creating the Expendables, right? And so he was talking about these characters he's developing. And uh, this one guy uses a pistol and he shoots really fast. He'd show me videos, and it was just really fun interacting with him, watching his creative process. And then he asked me to make a ring for the movie, and so I made something delivered and he's like no 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 it's all wrong it's all wrong it's all wrong and then he shows me like a sugar skull and he wanted this he had this vision for what he wanted i was like i don't do that that's not my thing he's like yeah but you can i was like i can fucking do anything (laughs) (laughs) but it doesn't mean i will (laughs) but what ended up happening was there was a beautiful uh interaction of of his vision and my uh skills i guess my ability and we went back and forth, and what came out of it was something that is now, uh, it's, it's the expendable skull ring. Yeah. And I look at it, and I know I'm, I'm so much a part of it, and he is so much a part of it. Uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't look like a, a good art piece to me so much. It looks like almost a, like a side project kind of thing. It's, it stands on its own. Is it your hot rod in the garage? Yeah, kind of. And, and here's the cool thing is I, I remember distinctly... <laughs> Like uh, these moments where he'd say, "Hey, can you can you put like uh, propellers in the eyes?" I said, "No, that's stupid. I'm not putting propellers <laughs> in the eyes." And then he would ask for something so outlandish after that that I would say, "Well, let's go back to propellers in the eyes." Uh, and, I can do that. Now. And it wasn't it wasn't for like a year or two later that I realized the guy was just playing me the whole time. He's uh, so he's so charismatic and so fun uh, when he gets an idea. So fun to be around that it was just infectious. And so. I, every time I would balk at something he he'd want on the ring, you know, lightning bolts or a bomb on the on the on the bridge of the nose, or when there were th- specific things he wanted that I I said I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. He would find something else that I would have to complain more about, and then we'd go back to that original thing. And I really just uh, I was I was like a. I was like a little spinning top in his fingers, and he'd just flick me and throw me across the table until I do what he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that so I got to hang out with you a little bit before we went had dinner. It was great, and you had shared um, a story about your uh, one of the things that I think a lot of people have been like messaging me about and talking about, which is your your Shazam bolt. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, a little bit when you had told me why you hadn't before and and the fact that like for you it was because every and this is something I'll, I'll obviously let you explain so much of your designs actually come from personal either needs struggles or desires that that it's versus someone saying oh a bunch of people are asking me for this fine i'll make it uh so how how did the shazam bolt kind of come across yeah the for me there's there's there really is a story behind everything. And I mean, literally everything I've done because, uh, I think doing things without a purpose or without, uh, a, a, an intention is a, a waste of time. Really. It's, it, it, um, 
I don't even know how to explain this. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. So yes, everything has a purpose. It does. It's very clear. So w- with regard to the, the Shazam in particular, uh, there, there were times previously where I thought, I'm going to make a lightning bolt, lightning bolt. going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I know you're getting at. Cause I remember the conversation the other day. I, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of just uh, gratuitously putting like a 13 on something or a fucking spider web or a black widow or uh, a kind of blase designs. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think there's a difference between, um, needing to create an effect mm-hmm. and trying to shock people versus having a clear communication and wanting to get that out there. And one, I, 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 I this is probably going to sound really arrogant, but I, I believe that, there, that one has a sort of higher calling or purpose in life. It's important to me to be clear about what the communication is and get it out there and put it out there in a way. And, and, and my medium is the, the metalwork that we do, the, mm-hmm. the jewelry I make. So, and, and there are other things, but that right now, that's the way I do it. So you won't see a gratuitous spider web or number 13 or 69 or whatever those ubiquitous, yeah, (laughs) sort of ubiquitous, uh, shocking, uh, you know, 13 year old notebook scribbles. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with those, but those aren't me. That's not, well, you're you're also not 13. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I think that, uh, I think you see that kind of stuff a lot. And the people that are attracted to that are probably not the people who love my shit. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going for something a little different. Nothing, I wouldn't even begin to say serious, because nothing of what I do is really serious. It's, it is very playful. But back to the purpose of, of why. So uh, Lightning Bolt, it's a completely ubiquitous design that everybody's seen and a million people have done. And myself, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, I had a lightning bolt shirt that I remember I really loved. It was my favorite shirt when I was a little kid. It was either mm-hmm. lightning bolt or OP. And I had like the short little blue OP corduroy shorts. And, and for the Crushing longest, it SoCal style. <laughs> yeah. For the longest time, <laughs> I wanted the two-tone ones, like the blue ones with the tan pockets. And Oh, those were the best. I, they were pretty amazing. And I had, a, you know, one lightning bolt shirt. And I remember I loved that. And so when you're making jewelry... When I'm making jewelry, I'm, I'm drawing on my experiences. I'm drawing on things I like to have around me. Sometimes it's not really jewelry. I have a, a carpet knife in my pocket here that I fucking love. Yeah. It's a little, it, you know, it's a, a box cutter. And uh, if I'm going to ever need a box cutter. Why not make one in sterling silver? <laughs> yeah, why not have the best? <laughs> okay, so to the lightning bolt point, I couldn't just gratuitously make it because I thought it was cool. It, it had to have something more to it. And so it was nothing I ever worked with. And there's lots of, there are, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of pieces of designs and creations that will never see the light of day past my office because the, either the time is not right or the piece is not right or it's not, it, it, it's not up to a, a whole litany of standards that, uh, that it, it needs to adhere to to, to get my name. Mm-hmm. Christmas time, a friend of mine's over at the shop. He's got a new tattoo on his cheek. It's a lightning bolt. It's cool as hell. It is crazy and remarkably enough, almost exactly like a drawing that I'd done a long time ago, a little sketch of just that very... Did you design his tattoo or it was just coincidence? No, no, it was just coincidence. Okay. But I loved it. 
Now, this guy is cool. His name's Dom. And uh, Dom lost his leg in a motorcycle wreck. Big bummer. Thing is, sometimes it, it takes uh, people around you, good people around you, to affect you positively and, and help shift your viewpoints. Right. And I remember I'd been having a, a kind of a rough week, and I'm tripping out on his tattoo. I'm like, I love it. It's so good. It's a classic lightning bolt. That's, if I were to ever do a lightning bolt, that's what it'd be like. And then it, it dawned on me, this is so beautiful because it's kind of a, a inspirational sort of thing. This guy's got this like this bolt of power on his cheek and he's smiling and he's just so happy. And I'm thinking, guy's back up. He's riding motorcycles again. He's doing great things. He's a tattoo artist. And I thought, what a, what a beautiful inspiration. And that was it. That was the spark for me. And I instantly knew I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to create that. I'm going to make a... Uh, a the three-dimensional metal version of that thing and there is the inspiration for me as a, a reminder of you know however bad it gets it could be worse however you know uh ho- however you look at the situation is really going to determine what what you take from it or what you you uh how you deal with it that's really beautiful so back to the lightning bolt uh take the piece from a very simple idea and a simple uh shape and and motif into something that really was powerful. And I realized after messing with it literally for six months, uh, five months, that in the end, the original piece that I'd I'd, uh, put together and built was the best one, the most simple, straightforward. It was the the perfect thing. It didn't need uh, twists or bends or uh, other sort of flourishes to make it special. Yeah, it's funny because when you were telling me this story... So I was like, and I can't believe I'm going to say this because I think it's actually somewhat trite that, but I, I can't think of a better term, but like that is kind of by definition, the, a, what a tortured artist is, right? Like, like <laughs> the you, struggle. <laughs> yeah. Like you have the idea you go through all these other things and make all these iterations. And eventually most of the time you come back to your original idea. But, but I think the thing that, that really spoke to me and made me feel really good was the fact that that this wasn't just something that was sourced by, let's see, what are the kids like these days? You know, oh, okay, let's make that. It's like, no, every piece and design that you make comes from the experience and comes from, uh, and really is inspired by your life and what you go through. It's uh, true. And I, th- I think that that's really beautiful. And that's also something that, Thank to you. me, is one of the reasons why I continue to just obsess over <laughs> your stuff. Because, you know... We've, I've talked about this in other podcasts and stuff before, but everybody wants a story and wants to have a story to latch onto and has their own story. And if I can be a part of yours through, you know, your, your good art in general, like I feel connected to you in a way. And in addition that not only am I just wearing this beautiful piece of art on my body, but like, no, I'm connected to Josh's story. And I think that, again, like that's just, that's really cool. And that's stuff that brands and people spend millions upon millions of dollars to try to figure out but the best part is like you're just being you and it's happening (laughs) thanks kirkland i I appreciate that that's awesome um so one of the things that i see a lot in your art which is cool because it's basically kind of your logo is the rosette yeah where did the rosette come from uh i was uh i was a misguided youth got in a lot of trouble okay (laughs) uh did some bad shit. Eventually got kicked out of the state. Okay. 
There's a, there are so many great stories in here. <laughs> so I'm in school in Montana, and it's a it's essentially a school for fuck ups. But how old were you? I was 13. Okay, and there was something magic that happened there. More uh, about the circumstance than the curriculum, I should say. It, it just the the uh, fact of being taken out of my environment in L.A. Mm-hmm. I was living that uh, that less than zero Brett Easton Ellis life. Okay, <laughs> I was I was, uh, I was young, hanging out with guys who were much older than me, and we were getting into trouble and fast cars and drugs and drinking. And it was basically I was in a, it was in a really shitty environment. And when I got taken out of that environment, uh, things were things changed quickly. It's the you know the old thing, doctor, it hurts when I raise my arm. He said, "Great, don't raise your arm." <laughs> so. <laughs> It, some of it was as simple as that. During that time in Montana, the the headmaster of the school, and it was a small school. We lived in the woods. We chopped wood for fires, for wood-burning stoves. We built cabins. We, uh, we, we lived. Is this Xavier's school for troubled youth? This <laughs> is basically that. It was, <laughs> I mean, we were we were about we were about fifty miles from the uh, Idaho border. Okay, we were about fifty miles from the Canadian border. We're kind of below Calgary, up there in the Rockies. In an extreme environment, when, when you lived in L.A. Uh, at the time I did, uh, you were looking to score some weed or a, a, a Mickey's Big Mouth. And up there, you were literally looking to score a tree that you could fell and chop up so you didn't fucking freeze to death. <laughs> because it was a very extreme, harsh environment. And you had to prepare for winter all summer by chopping wood. And you had, to, uh, you, you had, you had a different set of priorities. I learned really quickly. And I, I actually excelled and, and, and loved that environment because it was very straightforward, it was very simple. Uh, do this, you survive. Do this, you're fucked. Probably going to die. And, and so the, the rules of life changed. It wasn't now important like uh, things like fashion or style or I guess all the sort of the, the city first world problems aren't the same or don't have the same importance. They, they fall away. Mm-hmm when you're in a, a harsh environment where you've got to, you've got to survive. So there, there were certain things about that environment that I really liked. I liked the simplicity of it. Um, and, I, and I think I, I took a lot from that. The headmaster of the school loved England. He planned uh, a trip for about a dozen of us to go to Europe mm-hmm. for a week. Mm-hmm. And... I remember thinking, holy shit, we're going to go to Europe. This is incredible. Right. I didn't know exactly what was, it, what was entailed because we basically packed up backpacks and, and hiked around England, Scotland, Wales, and France. Oh, wow. It was not like a fancy European vacation. It was like, it was backpacking and youth hostels at best and camping. But it was cool as fuck because we were, we, you know, we were in, uh, you know, kayaks on these Scottish locks. Oh my God. That were a mile deep and you're thinking of Nessie coming up and biting you in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> and we were climbing the highest peaks in, in the UK, which were like little mole hills to where we'd come from in the Rockies. But we were experiencing what we experienced in Montana, that, that rural, rugged sort of environment on a different continent. And it was, it, it, I didn't, I think I still reap the rewards of that experience to this day. Like it was... It was inspiring. It was beautiful. It, was, it, it taught me a way to look at things in my environment and observe in a way that I don't think I would get had I not had that experience. One of the things I would see were these ruins. Uh, we, we, we stumbled across lots of churches and 
old ruins hiking around. And one of the things I would see was this rosette carved into stone. And, mm-hmm. and I would, I'd ask questions about this stuff. Like, what's the story with that? Oh, that's 600 years old. <laughs> and that, and, and that, uh, you know, this is where there've been, uh, three different civilizations on this particular spot of land here that all lived here and have, you know, born, raised generations, died, went away, happened again, happened again. Right. And it, it put the, the virility of life and that sort of like the stuff that used to be important to me in perspective in a way that, uh, I thought, well, look at these marks that people left here. Isn't that interesting? So it, there was nothing profound about it beyond the sort of being, you know, inspired when you stand underneath the Eiffel Tower and look up. But years later, when I'm making jewelry, I'm sketching and I'm drawing these, these rosettes on the paper at the same time. I'm thinking, well, let's see, what am I going to? what am I going to do? I want to make something three-dimensionally. You know, I'm trying to teach myself how to cut wax up and carve it. And I was never very good at that. <laughs> but I remember thinking... Well, Fooled got, me. Yeah, I got, these, <laughs> I got these drawings here and I'm looking for an inspiration here. And then it was like one of those V8 moments. Those like, could I have a V8? I was like, <laughs> why, didn't I, why didn't I just put the rosette there? And that, so that's where the rosette came from. I saw it when I was young. And it's stuck with me. And it, it's a very easy thing to sort of apply. It's round. It's, it's got a, a top and a bottom, a left and a right. Um, you can cut it up and put it back together in many different ways. And it's just evolved as like the main motif of my, uh, of my sculpture because it communicates beautifully to me. It's, it's neither feminine nor masculine. It doesn't have like a... It's not specifically religious, though. I I first saw it in a religious context. It was a rose window, I and mean, that's what it was. It was essentially a rose window in an old burned out church. Wow. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, again, this speaks to <laughs> to the fact that you know these these simple things have really deep and passionate meanings behind them, and they are they're parts of your life. Uh, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> again, like that that is just I am a very, I am a very simple person. I have I I. <laughs> Are you a simple person? I think well, you're yeah. a very complex individual. No, I'll tell you. I I I uh I explained this a while ago to somebody. I I boiled my life down to like five things or so that were really important. And um they are uh you know, my family and my friends, mm-hmm. like the, the people I spend time with and and uh food and travel, motorcycles, right? You know, uh adventure. And, and making stuff. Yeah. And, creating. Yeah, creating uh, my art, my, my work. And I find that if I'm, if I'm engaged in any of those things, I'm usually engaged in all of them. Uh, they all mesh and gel well together. And those are the things that have become so important to me that I try not to do something or anything that doesn't sort of align with those things. So I don't like to... I, I, I like to spend time with good people. Yeah. I like to eat delicious things. I like sharpens to travel. Iron. Yeah, man. I, I think it, 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 if you look at it, really, it is simple. There are moments in the day that are very complex and there's things to figure out and uh, the stresses of, of everything, of life. Yeah. Those all exist. The truth is, if I pull back and get perspective any, t- any given time, I can say, yeah, it's, it, I, have, I have some very simple and easy to fulfill needs in life. And when I'm doing them, which is most of the time, I'm feeling pretty good. Things, 
things are better than I let on. <laughs> right. So, um, as your business is progressing, you've been in business for over 20 years. What, what do you think are the next steps? Or, I mean, or what do you, what do you want to do next? Like, what's your goals? Okay. It's a, it's a totally loaded question. I want to do, <laughs> I want to do more of the same, but I, I recently decided I actually want to do a lot more of the same. So I've spent many years sort of nose down, plugging away, going forward. And when I looked up a couple of years ago, I thought, this is an interesting environment now. There's a lot of people talking about the kind of thing that I do. But if you dig a little deeper, the, uh, it, it's sometimes hard to find the substance. And I felt like mm-hmm. I, I maybe have missed out, uh, didn't miss out. I maybe have been remiss in not um, putting my neck out there a little bit more or talking a bit more or showing what I do a bit more. I probably have, it's easy to say I have the coolest shit that nobody's seen. So I'm, so here I am doing a podcast talking to you folks. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. Yeah. But I think if I, if I, if I can tell you what the major shift is in, in my, my business, the business side of it is I'm, I'm paying more attention to the business itself as a business rather than, uh, just, just doing uh, just doing the art, just uh, being creative and, and making stuff. I'm doing that too, but I'm also, I've, I've sort of neglected the side of the whole thing where I expand the business. And now that's actually what I'm, I'm interested in doing. I want to communicate on a more broad scale. I want right. to do more of what I'm doing. Right. It's, it's funny, that it, it, this, is a, this is an awesome cliche. And in my case, it's completely observable <laughs> because this has never been about making money. This has always been about uh, creating effects and, and putting aesthetics into daily life. I'm in the business of aesthetics. I always have been. That is my, it's my purpose. It's the thing that gets me up in the morning. It, I've, never, I've never jumped out of bed for a dollar. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I, have, I don't like jumping out of bed for anything, but there's a few things I'll do it for. Uh, 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 the smell of bacon, uh, a motorcycle ride, you know, off on an adventure or the thing that I'm about to finish or moving further along on a piece of jewelry or design or something new, those things get me up. A dollar never gets me up. It's never, it's never been the driving force. So I, I think because of that, um, I've created something that, that is very pure and true to my desires in life, like true to my purpose in life. Mm-hmm. The the dichotomy to that is if you're not doing the business side as well, well, it's really hard to fund the the art side. So we have a we have a foundry. We got uh, nearly twenty staff. We have a great building, an amazing environment to work in. We have state of the art equipment, probably by a factor of hundred. We're the smallest company in the world that uses the machinery and the equipment that we use. We've got the same uh, casting equipment as these these big guys, Tiffany's, Rolex, whoever. So all of that, that machine, it, you know, we got to, we got to fund it. We got to sell jewelry. The trick has been, or I think the trick coming up is, is to balance the integrity of the product and design while still growing it and not compromising too much. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, you've met me so pretty much not compromising. Yeah, I don't think you're going to compromise at all. (laughs) So, so I think the the future is is interesting. I think there are there are a lot of great examples out there of of people who have 
done great things and then done it on a bigger scale. And, yeah. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to uh, attempt. That's what I'm doing right now, actually. It's not even an attempt. This is like, this is wax on, wax off shit. <laughs> I'm in the middle of it. Right. Uh, so we have a few minutes left. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up is um, there are a lot of people who, you know, so I'm, I'm a little bit of an evangelist myself when, when there's something I like, I want to tell everyone about it. I want to tell everyone how much I love it. I'm the same. <laughs> and, one of the, and one of the things in the ways that I've been doing it is through Instagram. Yeah. And your Instagram is... It's funny because I was, you know, I talked to you a little bit about it and it seemed to me that you were like, yeah, I just have it. Like, I'm not like you weren't really trying to, there wasn't a specific overarching goal behind running your Instagram or anything. But for me, and the thing that I've noticed, and I even send to everyone else, like that is kind of like your website and portfolio, even though you have a site. Um, Are you, I mean, is (laughs) that? I only recently learned the word deck. As it relates to oh, like uh, a slide a, deck, like, yeah. As it relates to like a story about your company or whatever. Right. I've had a number of people say, "Hey, what, can, can we get your deck, uh, Mr. Warner? <laughs> could you please send us your deck?" Yeah, you're I like had, uh... I had to Google it. <laughs> but so your your Instagram, I think, is is a, a unbelievable unbelievable example of all the different things that you do. Whether it's the the you know the the bracelets bracelets that you're making for Rolex to the necklaces, to the St. Christopher medals, which I am obsessed with. Um, like, are you going to continue using Instagram? Do you, is that like a selling platform for you? And I mean, this is just open-ended. I'm curious. It, it, it's interesting. So we, um, we currently don't sell online, though we are about to put a few things up. Um, I feel like there's a lot to be gained by the core items of the brand, the bracelets and the rings in particular, mm-hmm. being sold one-on-one, like a professional grabbing your hand and saying, well, uh, you know, here's, here's something that might work and let's size you up and somebody find something they like. Right. Uh, if there's a pro to sort of guide them through, uh, here's your options. I like that sort of thing. So I'm not a huge fan of online sales for the core items of my brand. Right. I'm not an idiot either, though, so I know that the future, <laughs> is, uh, the future I- includes that at some point. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold out as long as we can on that. That said, we're going to probably put a few things up that are, uh, that are less fussy. You know, we make a really cool baseball cap. It's got a sterling silver snap on the top that pops yeah, off. That you that's awesome. Your, you can put it on your motorcycle jacket. Uh, the caps are made in LA. We make the tape and the, the labels and everything like that. And they're just, they're, they're basically, if, if I'm going to do a cap, this is my version of a cap. It's, it's a brilliant cap. Yeah, it's really it's, nice. And it's, and I know that you said this, but I'm going to explain again. The, the very top of the baseball hat uh, or of the cap is a, you know, most people, you have the little button, but your guys, it's a sterling silver snap button, which then yes. you can take off and put on anything else you want to. That's right. It'll, it'll fit on like any number 10 snap or, or a shop perfecto or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like that. That's so cool. Okay. So <laughs> well, if you're going to do it, you gotta, you, you gotta do it. Yeah. Hey, um, okay. So. The cap is snapback. It's a nice high crown snapback, and, and, and it's pretty simple. You see a photo of it, and you want it, and you buy it. Mm-hmm. And they're not cheap. They're a couple of hundred bucks. But I can put that online and make it easy for somebody to buy it and enjoy it and share in the brand and, and you know, get something cool. Right. It's different somehow than a ring where you want to try it on. Of course. Sure it fits. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's my thing with online sales. So at the moment, we're, we're trying to figure out how to balance that, and, and we'll get back to selling stuff on our goodart.com website soon. 
until then, what happened with Instagram was if you didn't have a Facebook page or an Instagram account, then something was wrong with you. So we had them, but it was never anything. This is, I'm, I'm sort of a half a generation out of that, right? Mm -hmm. It's, um, I'm not, uh, (laughs) I recognize the importance, but I'm not an expert in these areas. So really the, the funny thing about Instagram is it, it's gone into this sort of thing where it, it's now sort of replaced our catalog. We don't have a catalog. We have that feed. Exactly. And uh, a dear friend of ours, Excel, um, he's a killer DJ, definitely like has his finger on the pulse, literally makes people jump. He now manages our Instagram page in a way that uh, he puts up photos from the perspective of a fan. Yeah, he likes that's to very lie. true. And so, so I think it works out really well. It's beautiful. And, and then I don't have to have too much attention on it. Uh, I, I'm sort of a fan too. I guess I have to be. Right. And so when I look at our Instagram page, I think this is, this is a pretty great way to put the stuff out there and share it. And I, yeah, I think it just sort of happened like that. There was nothing calculated about it, really. Right. So this has been really good. So we learned about you, your brand, um, <laughs> the, the fact that you are pretty much this tortured artist, um, and then kind of w- what's coming next. Uh, I mean, before we, we wrap up, is there, is there any other stuff you want to add or mention or that I didn't get to ask you about or something like that? Um, yeah, I think I just want to say thanks. I'm so, I, I'm, uh, I'm so thankful that, that I get to do what I do and I get to create good effects doing it. And honestly, that, that you're a fan of my work is it, that's the, that's the degree of success I'm actually going for and always have been. So I'm stoked that you dig the St. Christopher. I'm stoked that there are pieces that move you and get you out of your seat and excite you. And so, uh, so thanks. Thanks for, for asking me questions and letting me waffle on about it. No, this is great. Yeah. This is really, really good. So this was good talking to you and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Right on. All right. See ya. You've been listening to Blamo. If you like what you heard, leave a review. It helps let others know and discover the pod. Subscribe and listen to new and archive episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last but not least, you can find me elsewhere on the web on Instagram and Facebook at Blamo Podcast, or send me an email at jeremy at blamopod.com. And guys, I gotta say, I've been reading every single email that I get. I'm sorry if I haven't responded yet. I promise I'm going to respond soon. It's awesome. Like all you guys send me emails and tell me all this like dope stuff that you're doing. And I think it's great. So please keep it coming. And thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Bye.